Well, it was just over 12 months ago uh, when Steve Sutton, one of Northern's ministers, um, at the time spoke about the Sermon on the Mount. And now 12 months later, we find ourselves in a place that we may not have expected ourselves to be. But as we look at the start of this new chapter for us in the life of Northern Community through your inviting of Mary and me uh, to be a part of Northern's family and a part of God's future for this community, I was reminded of this section in the Bible that Steve spoke on. You see, Jesus, um, when he was looking at the Sermon on the Mount and when he was starting this whole new movement, he, he used the Sermon on the Mount to mark a new chapter in his life and ministry. He'd already spent some time in ministry, but now he invited others to partner with him in the ministry of the kingdom of God in the world. You see, for Jesus, his mission was not just about the destination. He could have so easily have come, died on a cross, rose again, skipping out the three years of ministry, kind of like a fly-in, fly-out worker. You know those FIFOs? Or they've got another word for them, div- uh, Dido's drive in, drive out as well. Um, so you've got these FIFOs. And, you know, Jesus could have done that. But intentionally, he chose not to do that. Jesus not only wanted to restore our broken relationship with God, our Creator, through his death and resurrection, but also to teach, to model to us how we should live. So that when we become followers of Jesus, it's not just about gaining an eternally restored relationship with our Creator God, but also the outworking of how we should choose to live, how we should choose to follow the example of Jesus now in the way we live our life. So when Jesus called his 12 disciples to follow and to keep on following him, he took time to lay down a foundation of behavioral expectations, a foundation of kingdom values, of life-giving, living values, which his disciples and all those who would join in following Jesus would strive to live by. These would be values that Jesus would call his followers to and call them back to time and time again throughout the three years that Jesus was with them. And we even catch glimpses of these values being lived out and recalled when we look at all the different letters of Paul and Peter and James and John in the New Testament as well. Now, when we think of vision, hopefully what comes to mind is of a future image or a concept that we're working toward. Vision speaks of a desired future. Vision is kind of like the the lid of the jigsaw puzzle box. It gives you an understanding of what you're working towards and how the various pieces of the puzzle fit together. Hopefully you haven't lost any um, since the last time you pulled it out. And it's how they fit together to create this desired future. So when it comes to Northern Community Church of Christ, what picture comes to mind when you think of God's vision for us? What would this future look like? And we're actually going to spend a couple of minutes just looking at that. And so I've got a whiteboard here. And this is going to be our jigsaw puzzle lid. And um, I'm going to use my best Mr. Squiggle artistry. For those of you who know Mr. Squiggle, um, we might pop it there. Uh, 
I'm going to, I'm, no, I'm not going to strap a pen to my nose or anything like that. But um, if we think of vision and if we think of this being our jigsaw puzzle box lid, when you think about the vision that God has for Northern Community Church of Christ, the future that he has for us, what images come to mind? I invite you to just call them out and I'll try and be colourful and use different colours and that sort of stuff and we'll draw a bit of an image of what that might be. So when you think about Northern Community, what we're going to be like in the future, what you believe God's calling us to be like in the future, some of that might be manifest today, we might be already doing some of that, but future, what are we aiming to be? What's God's vision for our future? What comes to mind for you? Okay, so how am I going to draw that? Um, So we've got our community out there and um, for us to be um, connecting with them and looking for points of connection with them and them with us. Yep. Can't see from the back. I'll get some binoculars for you next week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there might be lots of pictures, so yep. Helping the children. Okay. So we'll have... um, I should draw faster. Uh, So helping the kids and this is the diagram for the future. Okay. So we're going to have tables with um, people sitting at them, hopefully not dancing too many times on them. Um, And we're going to be eating? Oh, of course. Good. That's what we want to have. Food. Yep. So tables of inclusion, of diversity and um, celebrating and and sharing food and engaging with one another in that way. Yep. A loving, accepting community. Okay, so we we better do the cliche heart for that. What do you reckon? Does that sound good? So a loving, accepting community that um, is open to others and inviting of others as well. Yep. Um, Encircle it. Okay, there we go. Yep. Okay, so singing. So is that a semi-quiver? I wouldn't have a clue about my notes or anything like that. But <laughs> So singing and worship. And, and worship is more than just singing. Worship it, um, can be all different things. Uh, so we might have art as a form of worship as well. So we'll have a picture on hanging on the wall of some random thing. But yep, so singing and worship and celebrating God. Yep, forgiving. Yep. We need to forgive, okay, so I have no idea how to draw forgiving, so I'm going to just write the word, so that's okay. Other thoughts about, you know, what, what we're heading towards, when, when we have this picture, in reality we think we've achieved the God-given vision that he had for us. What else comes to mind? Yep, more, more water dams, so for northern community that's going to be important for us, you think? Yeah, okay. All right. Um, I'll just delve into that a little bit more, but Darren, you have one as well? Oh, sorry. Yep. What's that? Soul winning. So see, seeing people come to faith. Um, so we'll, we'll do the cross and, and people coming um, to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Um, one of the things about dams is uh, they talk about you can either try and keep people in the church uh, by putting fences around or the other thing that you can do is you can have really good watering holes. 
And if you have a really good watering hole, where, and I'm not talking about a pub here, um, I'm talking about you know, places where people want to come and gather and be, have their thirst quenched. So can I kind of pull from dams that sort of concept? Is that okay? So we'll have our a cafe. It could be a cafe. Yep, absolutely. Could be something like that. Other thoughts about, you know, when you think about the vision for the future of uh, Melbourne community down the back? A safe haven where God resides. Okay, how am I going to draw that? Um, any ideas? <laughs> a, a church? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably want to push out rather than the, the, the normal church image. Yep, quiet garden with waterfall. So a safe haven. Do I have green? I've still got green. Oh, that's okay. Good. Um, so if we think about that's a little stream if you're wondering what that is Um, so a safe haven where God resides and that people can connect with God in that space as well yep Victor down the back okay more young people so we've got children and investing in their future Uh, let's let's do younger people so they can be um because they're young people, they've got their baggy pants on um, and, and that sort of stuff um, or whatever. What's that? Yeah. Okay. So we need to have younger people. Yep. 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 And this is kids. Yep. Other thoughts down the back as well? Local outreach. So just continuing to build on local outreach. So that's kind of going back to Terry's engaging with the local community um, and, and outreaching to them, helping them to connect with us through a loving place, but also to connect with God as well. So that kind of, is that okay that we kind of see that as an adding on to what we've, yep, that, that's cool. Well, we're certainly not going to do the Sydney Harbour Bridge because we're in Melbourne, but uh, so Harbour, yep, workshop, okay, so we might have um, a workshop for, for people to come and um, use tools. So I should know how to draw a workshop bench. Yep, it does. And hammers and um, saws. There we go. Workshop. Yep. Arts. Okay, so we've got worship and the celebration of the arts. Yep. Okay. So go over this side for a moment. Yep. John. Local door knock approaches, not the knock and run. Okay. Uh, so we're not talking about that. One of the things that I heard one church do as far as door knocking um, was to leave a slip of paper on the people's door handles and say, how can we pray for you? We will come back in um, a couple of days' time and pick up these slips of paper and you can know that northern community is praying for you over these particular issues. So rather than just a standard door knock approach, do you know Jesus and that sort of stuff, it's, it's more about an invitation into a conversation and an invitation to say, hey, listen, we care about you and what's going on for you um, beyond and in addition to your relationship with God. So I'll do a door. So how we approach the community down the back. Yeah. Yep. So we... We need to make sure we engage in relevant ways. Yep. Okay. So we can have, as a spin-off from the worship stuff that we do, that we can actually have um, a space 
where people can come and play, um, do other things that they can't do in their own homes. So it might be we've got the community garden out the front so they can engage in that. Uh, there might be the, the workshop. There might be other things. Bingo, yeah, as long as there's no money involved, that's fine. Um, <laughs> or as long as they tithe the winnings, depending on which way you want to go there. Um, so other thoughts about um, you know, the vision of what, we're, what we believe God's calling us to be as Northern community. Okay, yep. So it's not just about money, but I'll do a, a money sign. Um, but it's also about work. So I'll do a shovel as well, because um, I can draw a shovel, I think. Um, um, but it's work for the doll, that sort of stuff. And Tamsin and the supervisors do a fantastic ministry there. It's brilliant. Any other thoughts about the vision for the future? Victor, down the back again. Yep. Bible study group. Okay. So let me draw that. Um, so we'll draw a picture of a Bible. Um, and, and people will be um, shining a light looking at it. Yep. And the second one was mission. Okay. Yep. So we will do the community stuff, but then we'll also do beyond, and this is my version of the world, a map of the world. Um, so it's, it's reaching out to the world as well. Yep. Okay. Oh, and Mary. Okay. All right. So let me, um, this is my version of hands praying together. There's not firecrackers or anything like that going on. Okay, as you can tell, I'm not an artist. All right, so that gives us a little bit to think about. As we think about vision and what we believe, what we sense, what we suspect even, God might be saying to us as Northern community and what the future might be. But the thing is, that vision is about the future. We might have some aspects and realities of that, but values are about how we behave from here, where we are right now, as we go on this journey to discover and um, hone in and understand a little bit more what that vision might be and the realities of that. The values that we have dictate how we're going to behave and how we're going to behave even on our worst days, when we're grumpy, when we're sick, when we're tired, whatever it might be, our values are going to explain and explore what it means of how we're going to behave, how we're going to live out on the journey from where we are now to where we believe God is calling us to be. That jigsaw puzzle box, as we see that realized, that will take time. And values are about how we behave on the journey. And for Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount that we read about in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 speaks clearly about values life-giving values, living values of the kingdom of God and how they are to be manifest in our lives on the journey as we head towards the vision that he has for Northern Community. I'd invite you, if you've got your Bibles with you, to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. As we begin a new chapter, it's fitting that we take some time to explore these living values, these values that should live in us and life-giving values that should shape and transform us. So over the next few months, 
We're going to take a leisurely walk through Matthew chapter 5 through to Matthew chapter 7 and look at about 14 living values and to allow Jesus not only to inform but to also transform the way we live. And the first value I believe that we see in Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 17 is that Jesus wants us to value our neighbourhood, to make it better, to make it brighter. Let's look at a few of these verses in Matthew chapter 5 and the words will be on the screen. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 17 and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here we hear the words of Jesus when he says this, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Last week, if you were with us last week, you saw that in the census, the 2016 census, the changing face of Australia and how over the last 50 years there has been a 30% increase in the number of people identifying with having no religion whatsoever. And in a world and in an Australian society where churches can be the target of criticism and come under pressure to capitulate, One of the responses that we can have as churches is to have this circle the wagon mentality where we want to treat the world out there as our enemies and we want to huddle in a Christian confined space and take pot shots at the world out there as they also take pot shots at us. For Jesus, he knew that his mission was going to face some stiff opposition. Attempts were going to be made to take his life and He could react like other groups in Jesus' day who followed God, but they would call for disciples and they would go off into the wilderness and hide out in the caves in the wilderness and start a a commune sort of lifestyle and try to live in an alternative life away from the gaze of the neighbourhood. But Jesus' mission values the neighbourhood. Jesus moved into the neighbourhood. He socialised with his neighbours. He went to parties, he went to the markets, he interacted with local business owners. Jesus loved the neighbourhood and saw it in real time and he saw the needs that were around him. And so it should not surprise us that Jesus calls others to join him in mission. First, to value, the first value in becoming a follower of Jesus is to value the neighbourhood. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. First century Israel had all sorts of issues, corruption, exploitation, poverty, illness, oppression. The worship structure had become distorted. The neighbourhood and the lives of people were not as God had intended them to be. But to keep a response that can make a difference behind closed doors and protected away from society was not God's mission. Kind of like salt. You see, salt has so many important qualities. But to keep those qualities um, 
that they're only those qualities of salt are only ever realized through application. Keeping salt on a shelf and never using it defeats the purpose of having it. In the same way, Jesus' disciples, um, they needed to be applied to, rub shoulders against, press into and value the neighborhood. And just like salt, when applied, Jesus' followers are to transform their surroundings. As many of you would know, in a world without refrigeration, salt was used for cleansing and to protect against decay. If you leave meat out at room temperature, it doesn't naturally get better, does it? It immediately starts this process of decay. And left long enough, it is no longer edible. But salt, when applied to meat, helps to slow down that process. And in Jesus' day, it was helped preserve products and prevent decay. So too, in valuing the neighborhood, Jesus' followers are to interact with the community in such a way to help to slow down the process of decay. A few hundred years after Jesus, during Julian's reign as Roman emperor in 361 to 363 AD, some 30 years after Constantine had uh, been the Roman emperor, Julian sought to return the pagan religion as the dominant religion over Christianity for the Roman Empire. But he was frustrated by these Christians and their commitment to helping the poor. And we read a quote from Julian here on the screen. Those impious Galileans not only uh, feed their own poor, but ours also, welcoming them into their agape. They attract them as children are attracted with cakes. The Christians of the day were taking a stand against injustice, challenging inappropriate behaviour, resisting the rise of inequality and the demise of the community. In Preston, um, in the Preston Leader last week, and we heard refer, that referred to earlier um, this morning, uh, there was a newspaper article that dealt with the theft of plants at the front of the ministry centre here. And I've been interested to follow some of the comments on Facebook that have been going on about the theft of plants and people lamenting the decay of community values in the area. For the followers of Jesus in first century AD and through to today, Jesus calls us to value our neighbourhood and actively work against the decay that we see around us. Salt also counteracts bitterness. On on your way home, if you wanted to, stop in at a a grocery store and buy some tonic water which contains quinine um, or quinine uh, and in that that element or that attribute of uh, tonic water, you will taste the bitterness of tonic water. But add a little bit of salt to that tonic water and the bitterness is reduced. Salt actually works better at reducing bitterness than sugar does. Where there is bitterness in all its forms, resentment, vilification, racism, Jesus calls his followers to counteract that. But be warned, when you do, it can easily result in people turning their anger, their bad behaviour towards us, as it was with each of Jesus' first disciples. But Jesus calls us to do all, all the same. Being a follower of Jesus is to counter bitterness in the world. Preventing decay, countering bitterness, 
but also salt helps to enhance flavour and bring out the good. Salt works on a variety of foods. Soups, rice, eggs, potato chips, meats. I remember as a kid, I used to love nothing more than a really tart, sour apple and adding some salt to it just to enhance that flavour. Salt improves the perception of a product's thickness. I didn't realise that, but apparently it does. It enhances the sweetness, rounds out the overall flavour and improves the flavour intensity. And as God's salt, from the beginning of Jesus' mission into the neighbourhood and throughout the ages, we are to seek out, to discover, to be the talent scouts in our local community, to speak life and encouragement into the lives of those around us and around our neighbourhoods. The mission of Jesus in our neighbourhood is to help bring out the best in others and to magnify the good in the community. We should be the good cheer squad. Wherever we see good in the community, we should be cheering and applauding that. But to do this, to be the salt, we need to make sure that we don't get watered down, to lose our saltiness. Salt in Jesus' day was nowhere near as refined and as purified as it is today. And so when salt got diluted, what they were left with was these impurities. And so with the dilution of salt, it lost its flavour, it lost its strength, it lost its power, and diluted salt was only good to fill potholes in the pavement. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a people of mission and to be salty. Jesus calls us to value our neighbourhood, to make it better. But not only that, Jesus calls us to value our neighbourhood and make it brighter as well. Once again, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, we read the following words. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Darkness is the absence of light. I'm not sure if you've ever been to some of the caves, so I, sorry if I get the pronunciation wrong, but the uh, Buchan or Princess Margaret Rose Caves in Victoria. Not sure if anyone's been, we see a few hands there, I see that hand. Um, or the Janolan Caves in New South Wales, I've been to the Janolan Caves um, in the um, Blue Mountains. But have you ever been in a place, even if you haven't been in a cave, have you ever been in a place so dark that you hold your hand right in front of your face with your eyes open, and you cannot see it. And it doesn't matter how long you wait for your eyes to adjust, they can never adjust enough to see a hand right in front of your face. But when you add a little bit of light to those dark places, it's an amazing what a difference it can make. Some of you may have seen, if you've been on the church's Facebook page, the footage that I put up there just a couple of days ago of um, the view of the earth at night and the lights of the earth from the International Space Station. If you haven't looked at it yet and if you're on Facebook, have a look at that, it's well worth it. Jesus is the light of the world. In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and the words are on the screen, um, Jesus is the light of the world and, and speaking of Jesus, we read these words, the world gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. 
The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. But there are some who love night because darkness and shadow hides their bad behavior. Rather than being attracted to the light, they recoil from it because coming into the light reveals things that that they would prefer to leave hidden. Jesus calls his followers to be people of the light and to reflect his light into the world. This is nothing new. In the Old Testament, God's people, the nation of Israel, were to be a beacon of light to the surrounding nations. And we saw some of that in the readings from Isaiah 42 and 49 that Amy read earlier. As followers of Jesus, he calls his first disciples to value the neighborhood by shining light into dark places. Not in an accusatory fashion, not by waving a finger and saying, aha, not in a way that seeks to shame others. But if we keep on reading in that passage, it's by doing good deeds that shine out into those dark places. For us today, we are called to make our community brighter by doing good, by speaking good into situations where darkness can easily be the dominant force. It's not enough to hide behind our actions and just pretend that our, just our actions are enough. There are plenty of people in the world that don't give a hoot about God that are doing good things. We do good not for our glory. We do good not to make a name for ourselves. As followers of Jesus, we do good to draw attention to, to point people to the relational God who wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with those that we connect with in the neighbourhood. So as we wrap up our time together, have you stopped to consider, really consider, who the you is in Matthew 5? It's so easy to read the you as being for the first disciples. Or perhaps we want to distance ourselves by by thinking that Jesus is referring to those yous that are influential. They, They have affluence and those sorts of things. The rich, those that are in positions of power, the able bodied, you know those people that are just naturally born change agents? The you, of course they're the, the paid ministers of Northern. You, the super Christians, and you are 100% correct in all of those. You are each of those people. But the you Jesus is referring to are also the people that Jesus refers to earlier in Matthew. The poor, those carrying grief, the humble, those who crave for justice, the merciful, the pure-hearted, the peace workers, the persecuted. You do not have to have money, power, be a certain age or a particular gender or a particular race. The only qualification for you to be a transformative agent in the world is to be a follower of Jesus. Out of that comes a preparedness to follow Jesus in words and actions into the neighbourhood that Jesus values, that Jesus died for, to make it better, to make it brighter. So for us, as Northern community, as we continue our journey together, as we move from where we are to the vision that we believe God has for us, to see God's kingdom manifest in our midst. 
as we work towards God's vision for us as a church family. To deny the value of our neighbourhood is to deny the mission of God. So when we as a ministry team get together, when we as a leadership group get together, and when we as a church meet to make decisions that affect the future of us as a faith community, both in our present and for the future, it is important that we filter those decisions through this living value. How does this decision affect? How does this action value our neighbourhood? The vision that God has for us is never. The vision that God has for us never, ever. The vision that God has for us is never more important than the value that God wants to instill in us to value our neighbourhood. And Jesus call on us to make it better, to make it brighter. May we, like Jesus, always sacrificially value our neighbourhood to help remind us as we gather together today um, of, of what we've been looking at. There's over near the doors a sachet of salt, and I'll grab one, a sachet of salt that you can see I'm holding up, and also a tea light candle. I'd encourage each of us here today, as you head out, to grab one of those sachets of salt and a tea light candle and put it in a prominent place that will remind you throughout this week and in the weeks ahead about Jesus' valuing of our neighbourhood and his desire to make it better and to make it brighter. We have an opportunity to respond and I'm going to invite Dan, if you can come up and maybe play for a couple of minutes. Um, Dan's going to come up and play while we've got some words, uh, some questions on the uh, screen there. And if you've got that response card, I'd, I'd encourage you to pull out that response card and on the response side of that card uh, to take a moment to reflect on those questions that we've got. In God's economy, the journey is as important as the destination. How can I reflect this more in my life? In what ways do I value my neighbourhood? How can I make it better? How can I make it brighter? And my encouragement would be that you take a moment to either write a prayer out of response to God, dear God, and respond to those, any of those questions on the screen. Or maybe you might want to send a text message or if you've got an app on your phone that you can send an email through, you can do that as well. So let's take a few moments to respond to what God's been saying us to us today. And as we sing our final song, as I said, I'll wander up and down each of the rows um, and uh, collect those response cards. So Dan's going to play. I'm going to move the um, whiteboard out of the road and let's take some time to respond. God bless you.